way, but we are in a series today called uh, Fill This House. We started it last week and uh, coming, kicking off part two today of Fill This House and really just this whole uh, 21 days of prayer just for those that are new here in August and in January, we do 21 days of prayer. And, uh, and so we're in the middle, we're seven days in of uh, 21 days of praying. And so we've been praying for certain things over these last seven days. We had a night of prayer on Thursday. And so we decided to do a series that kind of went alongside with this idea of prayer and what are the things that we need to be praying for. And so last week I kicked off the series talking about how, the prayer that, that I'm praying that God would fill our house, our, our church house with, our Savior's church, and talked about three things. We talked about that, that God, that you would fill our house with broken people, and we talked about what it is to be broken and, and that we are all broken. How many know we're all broken? We all, we all got, but how many know God doesn't want you to stay broken? He wants to heal you. He, he puts Humpty Dumpty back together again, okay? And so he puts us back together. He heals us, and so we want to be a house where broken people, broken marriages, broken relationships that can come in and feel right at home. We talked about we want to be a church that we're there, that, that people that will do anything to help broken people, that we want to commit to being a church that is reaching our neighbors and our employees and our co-workers and our friends and our spouses that are broken and seeing them come and meet Jesus. And then, and then last was just about how we want to, we want God to fill this house with his presence. And that's our prayer. And, and hopefully you're already sensing that already. Hopefully during worship, you've sensed God's presence. Hopefully during this message, you sense God's presence. And if God's not here, how many know we're all wasting our time? And so we want God to be here. I believe he is. So today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a different shift. Instead of just talking about our house as a church, I want to talk about our house as in us. I'm going to go on an individual level today and, and prayer that we can pray, that you and I can pray about, God, what, what do you want to fill us with? And so these are some things that I'm praying. I'm going to give you three again today, three things that I'm praying that God would fill me with. And so to start today, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, verse 16. You should have gotten some notes when you walked in. Did you get some notes? Wave them at me if you got some notes. Just so, ah, yeah. Get my preach on, just wave it at me, okay? And be like, we, I, we just get it. Just, you can just stand up and go preach it, you know, whatever it is. Just, I want you to respond back to me. The, the more you respond, the faster I preach, the faster you can get to Shoney's before everybody else does. And so... <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know you're already thinking about food. And so, so preach with me, all right? You're not at the movies. This is, you're not spectating. You are participating in the message. You got a part to play. And so please do so as we're going along. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this. Do you not know that you are God's, what's that word? Temple. You're God's temple. Old Testament, they would build temples. That was their church in those days. They were called temples where God's presence would fill, and that's how they would worship. Everybody would go to the temple and pray. But this verse, Paul is saying that you are God's temple. Now, to, to relate to this series, we're going to call it house. You are God's house, and that's God's spirit dwells in you. So I want you to take this first note. You are God's house. You are God's House, first and foremost, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you, have, uh, if, if you have given your heart and your life to Jesus, he has come and made you new again. His spirit lives inside of you. And now God doesn't just come into this house, but he is in your house. Anybody in here have an have a RV or a camper or something? Anybody in here have that? Okay. Anybody want to lend it to their pastor? Just went, no, I'm joking. Okay. So if you, all right, thank you. All right. Take, take options. All right. Next week, who's got the next? And so um, I want you to imagine this. You are, <laughs> you probably never had this analogy to you. You are like an RV camper. 
You get to take your house on the road. You are God's house, and most people subscribe to that God's presence is only in this house, a church house, but how many know that you are God's house, and everywhere you go, you take your house with you, you take God with you. So you're taking God with you everywhere that you go. Everywhere you go, you take God with you. You're a God carrier. You are a camper or an RV. You're just taking yourself with you. All, all, every home, everything. God goes with you. But this is what it says in the next verse. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Now don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So here we go, reemphasizing that you are God's house, who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You must honor God with your body. You're not your own. You don't belong to yourself. Have you ever noticed how some people will act one way outside of church, but then when they come into church, they act a whole totally different way? Y'all ever noticed that before? They'll say one thing outside the church, and as soon as they step in the door, they're like, bless you, bless you, bless you. You're like, bless you? What are you talking about? You didn't, you didn't say bless you outside in that car on the way here. You were saying, uh, come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Let's be honest here. How many of you know when you get into the, the house of God, oftentimes our language changes, our, our behavior changes, what we do changes. Because, here's why, because we believe, many of us, that God's house is a sacred house. It's a house to be honored. Now, here's the thing, though. If God's house is not just this house, but if you are God's house, how many know if you can't say it in this house, you shouldn't say it in any other house? Are y'all with me? But we don't view it that way. Oftentimes, we think, okay, I do what I want to do in my house, and then when I come into God's house, I'll act a certain way, but when I come outside, I'll act a different way. But man, I'm just convicted of the fact that you and I, we are God's house. We take God with us everywhere that we go. Don't compartmentalize God. God is not just in this church, even though I believe he's here in our midst, he's around us, but how many know he's also in us? And so you take him everywhere that you go. This is, this is what God does. He's, he's doing things in our house. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6 now in verse 16, just a, a couple of verses before this, watch what it says. Here we go. We're reemphasizing, for we are the temple. Now notice it goes from you are the temple to we are the temple. We talk about this all the time that you don't go to church. You are the church. We are the church. We are God's house. We are his temple of the living God. And as God himself has said, now this is what God says. I'm going to make my what? My home. I'm going to make my home with my people. So I'm going to be with my people, and I'm going to live, what, among them, and I'm going to be their God, and they shall be my people. So here, here real quick, let me just pause. God is among us. How many believe God is everywhere? He's among us. But also, you got to realize, not only does God live among you, he also lives in you, okay? So you, by the way, you can't get, you can't get rid of God. Like, he's, not, he's, he's, he's terrible at hide and seek, because you can't hide. He knows where you're at. He lives in you. He's all around you. He wants to fill you. He wants to be at home with you. They shall be my people. Now watch the next verse. Now here's, here's key. Tune in on this. Now dear friends, because God is around us, because God is in us, let us, everybody say let us. Come on, let us. Anybody want a salad right now? Let us. That's, that's terrible. Don't laugh at that. Let us. <laughs> it's kind of funny though, so... Let us, watch, 
Cleanse what? Hmm. Let us cleanse ourselves. Now watch. From everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us. Yeah, some of y'all didn't even want to say that word. You're like, it's, it's the weekend, okay? So that's tomorrow. No, no. Let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Okay, so this, I got to unpack this just a little bit. So it says, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us work. There's things that can defile our bodies. There's things that can defile our spirits. So real quick, you and I are three parts. If you don't know this, we are three parts, okay? Body, soul, Spirit, body, soul, and spirit. So we are a spirit. We are spirit beings that have a soul that live in a body, okay? Body is what you see on the external. Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our thinker. And then you have a spirit. We are spirit beings. When you die, to be absent in your body is to be present with the Lord. We are spirit beings. And so according to this scripture here, that there are things that can come in our spirit, in our bodies that can defile us, And Paul is telling the Corinthian church that you need to cleanse yourselves of the things that can defile you. And and guess what? You've got to also get to work. You've got a part in this. You've got to work. This is what he says. Notice it says this is something that we do. We do this. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is what? Working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Okay, Pastor Josh, it sounds like God's word is contradicting contradicting itself. Because one verse just says that we need to do the work, we need to cleanse ourselves, we need to put in some work, we need to get rid of these things. But now you're reading Paul in in another book in Philippians is saying, it's God who's working in you. So who is it? Is it God or is it us? The answer, yes. (laughs) Both. It is God and you. It's God and you, that, that there are things that are in our lives that are defiling us. There are things in our lives that have contaminated us. There's things in our body. There's things in our spirit that have done it. And the way that we get clean is God is giving us. He is working in you. He is giving. And notice, notice, though, he's giving you the desire and the power. He's giving it to you because guess what? You got to get to work because there's some things in your house and there's some things in my house that God wants out. He doesn't want those things in our house anymore. I mean, no, when God, so there's a difference, and this is what I just got to make sure that you know of. You don't work for your salvation, you work out your salvation, okay? So you don't work to gain your salvation, and a lot of people have subscribed to it that if I, if I do enough good things and I just stay away from enough bad things and I, you know, if I go to church and I, I do this and this, then, then, then I'll get into heaven. I'll be, no, 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 listen, you can't do enough good things. We've always said this before. Your, your good stuff is like Chuck E. Cheese tickets. You can't buy anything with Chuck E. Cheese tickets, okay? They're not good things, all right? The only thing that's going to get you saved is Jesus and Jesus alone. Can we get an amen on this one? Thank God for that. Okay, so Jesus saves us by grace through faith, but now that we are saved, now that we are justified, now that we are made right, now we've got, now God starts coming into our lives and he says, okay, now I'm going to start cleaning shop. We're going to start cleaning this house a little bit. We've got to start getting rid of some stuff in here. 
So last Sunday, we had an awesome service, great series kickoff last week. We did team night last, night, last Sunday night. How many of you here for team night? Wasn't it fun? It was a blast. It was a blast. It was a blast. It was a blast. And uh, we just had fun. Got home. I was wasted. I was wasted. I was so tired. We got all the boys, uh, my, my two youngest boys that are actually sitting right here, got them in bed. They're in bed. And uh, Lindsay and I are in bed, and Josiah, I can hear Josiah kind of rumbling around, our oldest son, and I hear him downstairs, and then all of a sudden I hear, Mom, Dad, get down here. What's going on? What? There's a snake in the house. (laughs) Wait, repeat that. (laughs) There's a snake in the house. Like, are are you sure? (laughs) Yes, I know what a snake is. It's went off. And so, so um, Lindsay's like, that's all you. <laughs> my, the devil's in the house. All right. So go down the stairs. And I was like, all right, Sia. He's like, dad, I came down here. I flipped on the kitchen light and I saw a tail go off. I'm like, you sure is a snake? Like when a rat or something? He's like, dad, I'm telling you, it's a snake. He said, and he said, dad, and it's huge. <laughs> like how huge? Like like this, he's like, a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. I'm like, you, you, you better not be playing with me. <laughs> you and your mom, y'all putting on some kind of joke. So if y'all don't know me, I can deal with mice, I can deal with roaches, I can deal with spiders. I can't deal with snakes. Snakes on a plane, snakes in my house, snakes in a car, snakes in... <laughs> anyways, that's... Anyways, so... I haven't seen the movie, but I just I thought it was funny. So, <clears throat> so, so I said, all right, well, we got to find something. So I go outside, no shovel anywhere. Of course, the one time you need a shovel, can't find a shovel. Only thing I can find is a floor scraper. That'll work. <laughs> Grab a floor scraper, I come in, and I was like, where'd it go? He's like, Dad, I think it went over there. And if you know anything, if you know, most of y'all have been in my house, you, you go around my kitchen, and when you come around the kitchen, I have, we have our laundry room, and then we have a, a back room, it's the smallest, six by 10 back room. It's a smaller room, but it's like our junk room. Like y'all know, y'all, everybody have junk rooms? Everybody got, like, you just put stuff in there? Maybe that's your master bedroom. I don't know, but you just got a junk room. So sure enough, I'm like, oh, don't tell me. It went in there. And so of course, now I got to go in there and there's junk everywhere. And I've got to find <laughs> Satan. So I'm pulling boxes. I'm pulling stuff. We're throwing, throwing things around. I'm trying to find all these different things. And, uh, and sure enough, I, I finally find him cornered in the, in the, in the, I, I can't even talk right now because I'm <laughs> thinking about this thing. And so I grab the, I can't even talk. I'm grabbing, I grab the floor scraper and I, I hit it and I, did, I missed it. And it, and it starts, starts going off. And so I am, I'm trying to dice and chop whatever I can do to get this thing. And uh, someone just asked me, like, what kind was it? I didn't even let it identify itself. I don't even know what it was. I was just like, I was killing it. And so I'm like, Sia, come here. Get this. Sia finally found a shovel. So Sia's coming in. So I got a video. Yeah. Come on. Here's a video. Look at that. Look at Lindsay. You're not even pushing it! I know. Oh my god. Oh my god. Alright, I got it.
All right, so that's, it. That's, my, that's my quick video there. So you could tell all the junk that's in the house. It was under a table. As I'm stabbing it, it is emitting odors I have never, I thought came from hell. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying. I'm just, I'm trying to stab this thing. Lindsay's screaming over here at me. Get the snake! What's that smell? I mean, it's just all this stuff. Oh, no. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's the snake. I don't know what's going on here. So finally, I get enough, I get enough to where I can see its head, like, I chopped the head, but the body's, y'all know what I'm talking about, the body's still moving, and so I get it scooped up, and, and I'm, I'm pulling it through the, through the room, and blood is just, I mean, just dropping everywhere, and then I go outside, and I throw it in my neighbor's yard, and uh, <laughs> that's no lie, dude. <laughs> Lindsay went the next day and put it in our yard, and so... So anyways, needless to say, how many know, if you know you got a snake in the house, how many know you ain't sleeping in that house? So a couple nights ago, Lindsay wakes up at like five in the morning and she flips the lights on. She said, there's a mouse under our bed. I'm like, dear Jesus, what is going on in my home? So right now, we couldn't find it. We stopped, couldn't hear anything. Then you kind of hear something. And you kinda can't, we don't know if it's in the wall or whatever, but there's about, there's about 12 traps underneath my bed right now for mice. How many know when you just think, some of y'all, I had some women in here said, I just burned the house down. I just burned it down. I said, I'm done. I'm done. How many know when you got something in your house that's going to defile your house, how many know you, you will, you're not going to just be like, oh, oh, well. How many know you're going after it? Like, you don't, like that thing is getting out. The next question with the snake issue was, how did it get in here? Which I still don't know to this day. So I don't know if there's a family. I don't know if there's other people, other Anyways, let's not even go there. So, so anyways, needless to say, I say all that just to say, if there's something that's in your house that's not good, you're going to do everything that you possibly can to get it out. The question is, do you do that for you too? Do you do that for you? If there are things in your body and in your spirit that are defiling your spirit, will you do everything that it takes to get it out? Because God says, I see some stuff, and that stuff can really harm you. Now, I don't know if that snake was poisonous. It could have been. I have no clue. could have been harmless, but I didn't. I'm, I'm just killing it, and I'm getting it out. And I feel like there's things in our lives the same way. We've just got to kill it. We've just got to get it out. And so today, we're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, the title of today's message is Clear the Clutter. We're going to just clear the clutter. That's really what 21 days is all about. Let's just, let's just get all the stuff out that doesn't need to be in here. And how many know God can't fill a house that's already full of clutter? You've got to clear the clutter so God can fill that house. So I want, I want to share with you three things that I'm praying that God would fill our house with. Number one is I, I pray that God would fill our house with less confusion and more clarity. How many believe right now our world is more confused than ever before? Our culture is more confused than ever before. You got, you got so many ads and things bombarding you right now to try to tell you what to do. There's just so many things. People are so confused. They don't know if they're a male or a female. Come on, how many know it's bad when you don't know what gender you are? Okay, there's just so much confusion that's happening all over the place. People don't, don't know, is this truth? Is this not truth? Is this right? Is this wrong? And the Bible says that in the end times that, that there will be a confusion that happens and they will say what is right and they'll call it wrong and they'll say what's wrong and they'll call it right and how many know that is now we live in that world and i love what scripture says look what look what scripture says here in proverbs it says if people can't see which i think is a lot of the issue right now people can't see when they can't see what god's doing look look what happens they just stumble all over themselves 
They're so confused, they're just stumbling all over the place. But when they, can, when they attend to what he reveals, when they, can, when they can see it, when they see what God is doing, when they see what God's trying to do in them, watch what happens. They are most blessed. Come on, how many want to be blessed? Okay, so here's the prayer. God, give me clarity. Clear up any confusion. God, if there's any lies that I'm believing, if there's any things that I'm believing that are not right, God, I pray that you would help me. You ever put on somebody else's glasses that have like major prescriptions and you try to put them on, you're like, you are blind. Like you're, you can't walk, you can't see. Like it just brings confusion in our lives when you can't see right. And so God is wanting us to, to have sight. So I, I just wrote down two things that I think can really bring confusion. Hopefully this will just help. Two things that I know that bring a lot of confusion. One, people. People can bring a lot of confusion. Number two, problems. Problems bring a lot of confusion. And, and, and we have so many people that are trying to tell us what they think and what they think we should do. And now if with social media, you got thousands of people trying to speak into your life all the time. Have you ever had someone that... that what they were telling you sounded like good advice, and so you took their advice, and then when you took the advice, you realized it wasn't good advice. You ever done that before? And then you wanted to go slap them? Hmm? People always got an opinion. People always got a thought. People always got what they think. How many know we can't put what other people think over what God thinks, though? We can't put other people's voices be louder in our life than God's voice. God's voice has got to be the loudest. If you listen to other people's voice more than God's voice, you'll always stay confused. You'll always stay confused. God's voice is always clear. God's voice is always direct. God's voice is always simple. He always gives us wisdom with where he wants us to go. So people can bring so much confusion in our lives. Man, I just don't know what to do. Let's just spend time with God. Let's hear what he's got to say. But then on top of that, problems can bring confusion. Let's just be honest in here. If, if you're in here and you, you follow Jesus and, and, and we subscribe to this and don't even realize we subscribe to this, and that is that if I follow Jesus and I go to church and I do what he tells me to do and I just try to live right, then my life should be problem-free. But how many know following Jesus, it's not problem-free or pain-free or risk-free? How many know if it's any of those, it's probably also Jesus-free? And so God often will work through problems. But if you're not careful, if you're going through problems in your marriage or if you're going through problems in relationships or you're going through problems with your money, you can so quickly start asking yourself, God, where are you? God, where are you? David did this, didn't he? All throughout Psalms. God, where are you? I felt like you were so close. God, where, where have you gone? David was always crying out to God. He always kind of was like in this state of confusion. And, and then he would always end a verse with, but yet God, I'm gonna sing your praises. You are still so good. And so we've got to just come back to a place of, God, give us clarity. Another word for clarity is discernment. God, I just pray that you would give me discernment. God, help me to know, is this the right decision or is this the right decision? Should I be with this person or should I be with this person? Should I cut off this relationship? Should I hold on to this relationship? God, God, I just need your wisdom right now. God, I just need your clarity right now. I just need you to help me right now. Come on, anybody got a decision you got to make and you just need some clarity? God, what do you want me to do in this? So God, I'm praying for clarity more than anything. Let me give you the second thing here. Second thing is less condemnation and more conviction. Less condemnation and more conviction. Romans 8.1 says, so now there is no condemnation. Everybody say no condemnation. Now we would love for it to just have a period right there. But it doesn't. 
It goes on, it says, there's only one type of people, though, that have no condemnation, and it's for those who belong to Christ Jesus, which means those who are not in Christ Jesus actually do have condemnation. That outside of Jesus, we are condemned. And by the way, you, you wouldn't want to serve a God who doesn't give condemnation. If, if someone came into your house and murdered your family, how many of you would say you would want that person to be tried, go to jail, and make sure that he never gets out? Right here? Everybody in here? Right? You would want him to be condemned. You would want that. But it's amazing, and we kind of don't want Jesus, Jesus, don't condemn me. No, you want condemnation, but what it, what it ended up doing is the Father said, all of my people are condemned because of their, their sin and because of what they brought in, but he didn't come and condemned us. What does he do? He sends Jesus to come and be condemned for our behalf so we can live free. Come on, how many are thankful for Jesus that come? He took our condemnation on himself. And so now, now, now there's no condemnation. So I, I, just, I just shared a couple of things. Condemnation will show you what you need to change, but at the same time tell you that you can't change. This is what condemnation does. Before you do something that's a sin, condemnation will tell you it's not that big of a deal. That's not that big of a deal. Go ahead, man. It's not that big of a deal, man. Go out, man. Do that. Do this. Man, it's not, go ahead and say that. It's not that big of a deal, but here's how condemnation works. Then after you do it, it comes back on the other side and it says, I can't believe you did that. Look at you. Man, you say you go to church. Pfft, fool me. You can't. And, and so what it does is condemnation comes on the flip side and starts bringing shame and guilt. You know the difference is guilt is I've done wrong. Shame is I am wrong. So he brings shame and guilt, and we start wearing that shame. We start wearing that guilt of what we've done. We can't move past our past because the enemy is continually condemning us. And so today, just know that Jesus took on all of your shame. Come on, how many know he took all of your shame? He took all of your shame, all of your guilt. He took it all on you, and there is therefore now no condemnation. But what he does is now he doesn't condemn you, but now he does convict you. Conviction is very different than condemnation. Condemnation is hateful. Conviction is helpful. Condemnation is hopeless. Conviction is hopeful. Conviction is when God comes and he puts a finger on an area of your life and he says, let's change this together. This is the work that we were talking about, that he works, we work, he gives us the power, he gives us the desire, and God starts pointing out things. You ever, you ever go on and you're about to say something to somebody and something inside of you is like, ah, don't say that. Anybody? Anybody ever that? Yeah, today? <laughs> yeah. You ever, you ever about to reply to somebody just, just, man, somebody just blasted you on social media and you're like, oh, oh, really? Let me tell you something about her that y'all don't know. And so you're just typing away and then you're about to hit it and you're like, ah! Something inside you's like, don't do that. You ever had that? Y'all know what that is? Conviction. Conviction. You're about to do something. You're about to say something. Conviction. Listen to me very closely. Conviction. You're like, man, why would you pray for conviction? Because it is, it is the greatest gift that God has ever given us. It's the Holy Spirit comes not to condemn the world, but to convict the world of sin and then to remind us of our righteousness. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is who you are. Don't do that. It's warning signs. It's God's warning sign to us. Of not, don't say that. So I just started writing down things. God, if I'm going to say something that will damage me or somebody else, God convict me. God, if I'm going to watch something that hurts me or other people, God, convict me. God, if I'm going to do something that's going to hurt me or other people, God, convict me. 
And I'm going to tell you what ends up happening is, is the Holy Spirit brings these convictions in your life, but if you don't listen to them for a long time, eventually they drown out and you don't hear them anymore. And so you never feel convicted anymore. How many know conviction is the greatest gift God gives you? Oh, God, I feel so convicted for that. But that's okay because it draws you back to God. It doesn't draw you away from him. It draws you back to him. God, thank you for saving me in this. God, thank you for showing me this that's going on inside of me. And so I, I just wrote down a couple things that I'm going to pray, that we would be responsive to his voice, that, that when God convicts us, we would apologize quickly. When God convicts us, we would ask forgiveness quickly. When God for, convicts us, we would change the channel or turn off the phone or walk out the theater we would cut off that relationship that's dragging us down. Maybe God would convict us and we'd stop living together and finally get married. God, convict us. Convict me. Fill me, God, with your conviction. I want to live with your conviction. And so this is what Psalms 139 says. This is a great verse, by the way. If you want to just write it out and put it in your car or put it in your house somewhere that you can read this week, man, what a great verse to pray every morning. God, search me. Search me, search me, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along the path of everlasting life. So back in April, I went on a, a missions trip to South Africa with two guys here from the church, and uh, we ate at this restaurant that has some very uh, unique sauces. And so they had bought us a couple of those as gifts. And then the day we were leaving, like right before we got to get on the plane, I was like, man, let's go eat at that restaurant again. So we went to the restaurant, ate it, and, um, and, I, and I bought like eight bottles of this sauce. I was so pumped to bring this sauce home for Lindsay, and I was going to give it out as gifts. And so I, I'm, uh, we're, we're at the airport, and I'm going through the TSA. And as we're going through the TSA, you know, you put your bags, you put your, put your shoes, put your belt, put your pants on. I mean, it's, you're taking everything off. I mean, just everything. You're putting, putting everything out there. They're wanding you. You know, they're doing all that stuff. And I get through, and I'm fine. And then a guy goes, sir, is this your bag? And it was, it was my little suitcase carry-on. I said, yeah, that's my bag. He says, I, I need to look through this thing. Okay, all right. So he opens it up, and I totally forgot. I put the sauces in that bag and not in my stowaway bag. And he's like, what is this? I was like, that's the best sauce in the world. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, man, you got like eight bottles of these. I said, yeah, I was taking them back as a gift. He says, I can't let you carry these on. I said, what? Please, what do I need to do? Here's some money. No, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't take these on. It's over. And so he takes that and he throws them in the trash. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, what? It's my sauce. It's my sauce. Wouldn't let it on. Wouldn't let it on. Totally, totally banned it. That's just sauce. I mean, it's all replaceable, but I was brokenhearted. And I was thinking about this idea of like kind of a TSA. Like how many of you know we need a TSA as well where we bring things to God and God scans it. He, he searches me. This has got to go. No, I love that. It's my sauce. I love that. Mm -mm -mm. That boy's got to go. He's got to go. Mm -mm -mm. But I love him. He's my sauce. Right. He's got to go. Come on, we just apply it to whatever you got, whatever your sauce is, okay? Maybe it's your addiction. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's your lust. Maybe it's, maybe it's your pride. And God... Oh, 
Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. When he comes and he fills us, he comes and he, he brings conviction in areas. And it's not to make you feel bad. It's to help you. Because God knows that if we can deal with this, you'll have more life. This thing can kill you. It's the snake in the house. Let's get it out. Let's get it out. Point out anything in me that what? That offends you, God. If I'm doing something that offends you, God, show me. God, may I not go the routine of every Sunday going to church and walking out and never hearing your voice. God, if there's something in me, point it out and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So God, we pray, Lord, give us convictions. And then number three, here's last, is God, I pray that you would fill me with less of me and more Christ. Less of me and more Christ. John 3.30. John 3.30. He must, what's that word? He must what? He must increase. I must. I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. My wedding band actually has this on there. It's got the word me on it. It's got a less than sign and it's got a, a you on the other side of it. As a reminder, every time I look down, just to remind me that it's not about me. It's not about me. God, less of me, more of you. God, less of me, more of you. God, less of me and more of you. Y'all know any people that are full of themselves? You don't want to be around those people. Y'all know people full of Jesus? You want to be around those people. So God, less of us and God, more of you in our lives. Now, I want you, I want you to notice something, though. I didn't say fill me with more of uh, Jesus. I said less of me and more of Christ, not more of Jesus. Because back in the day, Jesus was actually a common name. There was a lot of people that were named Jesus. When Jesus was around, there was a lot of other Jesuses. There's actually a lot of Jesuses now. Well, they're called Jesus, but there's a lot of those even now. And, but I use the word Christ because Christ actually means the anointed one. I mean, no, I don't want just Jesus. I want Christ. I want the anointed one. See, because a lot of people want, they don't want Christ Jesus. A lot of people want homie Jesus. A lot of people want bless me Jesus. A lot of people want forgive me Jesus. A lot of people want make my life comfortable Jesus. But how many know we don't need that one? We need Christ Jesus, the anointed one, the one who breaks the yokes, the one who takes out all of our sin, the one who cleanses us, the one who forgives us, the one who can cast out demons easily, the one that can heal us, the one that can fill the needs of everyone. That's the Christ that I want. I want the anointed one. I, don't, I want the anointed one. So God, fill me with the anointed one. God, fill me with more of you. God, change me. Change me from the inside out. So that's my prayer today. God, less confusion, more clarity. God, help us to see. Give us eyes to see. People around us, God, help my eyes not to be so much on me. Help it to be about others. and See a people around me. See what you want to do with my life. God, Lord, don't Less condemnation. God, take the condemnation off of me. God, bring clarity, uh, bring uh, conviction in my life. Which, by the way, that's what freedom does. And that's what inner healing does, that Miss Tracy does as well. These, these classes that we do are to help you free yourself from things in your past. Because here's the deal, listen to me. If you can't get free of your past, God can't take you into your future. So you gotta get beyond that. You gotta get, yeah, gotta get all that stuff out. Because here's the thing, when we start taking all that stuff out, guess what, here's the cool thing about God, he starts filling himself up in us. He starts healing those wounds, he starts healing those hurts, he starts strengthening us, he starts using us in a mighty way. God loves using broken people, it's what he does, but he puts us back together again. God, fill me with less of me, more of you.
I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. If that's you here in this place, man, I just want more of Christ. Would you just shoot your hand up? Man, that's me. I want more of Christ, more Christ in my life. I want to pray over you. And I'm going to pray another prayer after this, but I want to pray for you specifically. Father, I pray right now, Lord, those that are in this room, that's God, I just, we just want more of you. God, more of you and less of me. More of you and less of me. God, today, Lord, fill us new, fresh. Lord, God, I pray your spirit would come, fill us fresh and anew, less of us, more of you. God, today we die to ourselves. And God, I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is working on the inside. God, you are working in us. God, you are giving us the power and the desires to change these areas of our lives. Today, you are pointing, even right now, you're pointing out areas. Search me, God. And God, I pray right now as you're pointing out areas of pain, areas of hurt, areas of pride, areas of sin. God, we don't run from you. God, we say, here, open, open me. Like a person on a surgery table, God, you're, you're cutting on us not to hurt us, you're cutting on us to heal us. And so today, God, come, bring your healing in our life, God. We need you today more than ever. Fill us fresh and anew in Jesus' name. Now, with all heads still bowed, and still just no one looking around, if you're here in this place and, man, you just don't have a relationship with God, your relationship with God may has been going to church. It may have been partaking in communion or maybe even you were in baptized as a young kid. But the Bible says that real relationship with God is when we're, we're born again. That word born again literally just means that Christ comes and he makes our spirit alive. That by God's grace and by God, by our faith that he comes and he takes our dead spirit and he makes it alive and he comes and he lives on the inside of us. But if you're here and you say, man, I just admit, man, I'm a, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I'm hurting, and I believe that Jesus came. He died the death that I should have died. And today, man, I just confess that he's Lord of my life. He's my savior. If that's you in this place, you wanna make that commitment today, I wanna pray with you. This is your moment right here. On the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up. This is your moment between you and God. You don't have to be afraid, you don't have to be scared. This is a great, it's an invitation God's offering to you today. On the count of three, say, man, that's me. Count me in, Pastor Josh. Pray with me. One, two, three. If that's you, all over this room. Come on, hands going up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you in the back. Y'all two back there. Thank you so much. Come on, best decision you ever made. Come on, we surrender. We surrender our lives today. You can put your hands down. I want us all just to pray this together. Say, dear God, today I surrender my life to you. I admit that I'm a sinner broken and needing of your grace and your mercy. You sent Jesus to pay for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. Today, I confess that you are Lord of my life. Be my savior. From this moment forward, I'll follow you. Give me a new heart, new desires, in Jesus' name.